So let's begin. Today we're going to be going through chapter 32 of the 10th canto called The Reunion. And some interesting exchange. Krishna returns, he reappears, and then some interesting exchanges between the gopis and Krishna take place. It's a, it's a short chapter, like the previous chapter, almost as short, with 22 verses. So let us begin with Mangala Charana. Oma Jnana Timidandasya Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Militam Yena Tasmai Shigurave Nama Shi Chaitanya Manobishtam Stapitam Yena Bhutale Svayam Rupa Karamahyam Dadati Svapadantikam Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Yutta Parakamalam Shri Gurun Vaishnavangscha Shri Rupam Sagradatam Sahagana Raganatang Vitam Tam Sajivam Sadvaitam Sabadutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakan Vitangscha Nama Om Vishnupadaya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale Shri Mate Bhaktivedanta Swamin Itinamine Namaste Saraswate Devi Gauravani Pracharine Nivishesha Shunyavadi Paschatyadeshatarine Vanchakalpatarubhyascha Kripa Sindhubhya Evacha Patitanam Pavanibhyo Vaishnavibhyo Namo Namaha He Krishna Karuna Sindhu Dinabando Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namostute Tapta Kanchana Gaurangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Rishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhara Shri Vasadi Gauravaktarinda Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. 
Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Narayanam Namaskritya Naram Chaivanarottamam Deving Saraswating Vyasam Tato Jayamudirayet Nashta Prayeshvabhadreshu Nityam Bhagavata Sevaya Bhagavati Uttamashloke Bhakti Bhavati Naishtiki Srimat Bhagavatam Puranam Amalam Yat Vaishnavanam Priyam Yasmin Paramahangsyam Ekam Amalam Gyanam Param Giyate Tatragyana Viraga Vakti Sahitam Naishkarmyama Viskritam Tatshinvan Supatan Vicharana Paro Bhaktiya Vimuchenaraha Grantarad Srimad Bhagavatam Ki Jai So, welcome back everyone. Ras to our Rasa Panchadhyaya adventures. <laughs> uh, these are transcendental adventures. The word transcendental means going beyond. Uh, that which is beyond space and time is transcendental, transcendent. And these are certainly transcendent pastimes, as we've mentioned before. They're going on as we speak. Uh, whether or not we experience, whether or not we can see. But by the grace of our acharyas going all the way back to Sri Vyasadeva, we have a window, so to say, into uh, these pastimes. Krishna allows us, Shukadev Goswami allows us, Maharaj Pariksit allows us, uh, all the acharyas are allowing us to uh, get at least a, a a peek into these pastimes through the language of Vyasa and Shuka, Shukadeva. So, yeah, today we go, we will read through chapter 32. Before we do that, let's uh, reflect on what has transpired up to this point. Krishna has signaled his interest in meeting the gopis 
by playing his flute. And for him, he's responding to a signal that he received from the moon. Uh, we will see, I believe, again in this uh, chapter, the moon will be mentioned. Moon is, especially the full moon, is very much associated with um, with conjugal affairs, um, romance, uh, romantic encounters uh, typically happen in the moonlight, full moon. But also the moon is an object of comparison in classical Sanskrit poetry. Uh, there's the moon, there's lotus flowers. Uh, there's several different mm, objects for comparison. Uh, where the idea is poetry means, for one thing, uh, to make comparison. And one thing we will see in this chapter, there are lots of comparisons. We'll see the word yata uh, and possibly iva coming a few times. Some analogies are being made. Analogies... Uh, there's, there's an analogy which explains what is an analogy uh, from the classical tradition, and that is uh, Shaka Chandra Nyaya, the logic of the moon between the branches of a tree. A mother wants to point out the moon to her small child. The small child is... Uh, it's hard for the child to focus uh, on this distant moon. So the mother aligns the moon between two branches, or the trunk and a branch of a tree, and um, beckons for the child to pay attention to the tree and then, because he sees the tree branches, he sees the moon. The moon is there waiting for him to see. And the analogy works in the simple way that that which is nearby, that which is concrete, that which is substantial, physical, usually something physical, something that one is familiar with, something tangible, is compared to something distant or something less tangible uh, or intangible, abstract. And so um, the analogy, the function of analogies in general is to go from the familiar to the unfamiliar. So the poet uh, here, Shukadeva Goswami, is helping us to grasp uh, the events that are happening many times through comparison. 
Okay, but um, what's happened up to now, calling of the gopis, they've rushed out, they've dropped everything. And this is interesting because um, taking the idea of Krishna being Bhagavan, and the very first verse does refer to him as Bhagavan. Uh, how does one approach the Supreme Lord normally? Normally, one would first prepare oneself very carefully. One would bathe, uh, put on tilak, dress. Uh, one might be very careful to... Well, one is going to the Lord, one is going to worship the Lord, so one would bring paraphernalia for the Lord to offer uh, in worship. But the gopis don't do any of this. The gopis just, they don't waste any time. They, they drop whatever they're doing, and in a state of... Uh, disarray, uh, they just go rushing out to meet Krishna. And they don't bring anything with them to offer to Krishna except themselves. And of course, that except is, well, that's everything. They're, they're bringing themselves. Uh, they're bringing their whole lives. So what need for anything else? Anything else would be insignificant compared to what they're bringing. Uh, it's mentioned that the gopis are each going alone as if um, not knowing that the others are there also coming. But as we see in the, in, throughout the pastime, except for in the beginning, they're all together. They all see each other. They're all exchanging with each other. They're play-acting together in chapter 30 and so on. So they meet Krishna, and then Krishna has some playful exchanges of conversation with them. Uh, sometimes in English we use the word banter. Banter can mean um, playful speech, um, which doesn't have a lot of significance in the bigger world. It's not going to change the world. It's chatting, we can say, like chatter. You could also perhaps um, use the word jalpa, and of course, we know the word prajalpa means mm, sort of useless talk. And there are many different types of jalpa, and that's analyzed by um, Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur, Srila Rupa Goswami, uh, in the Brahmara, with regard to the Brahmara Gita. That comes up later. But there's this uh, sort of chatter going on in which hmm, Krishna is playing as if 
this is all a big mistake. They should go back home. The gopis are able to convince Krishna, who we could say wants to be convinced. He's he's waiting. He wants he wants to hear their uh, dedication, and then he is convinced. All right, let us enjoy together, and so the dance begins. How long the dance is going before Krishna disappears, we don't get a clear idea, but. Uh, the hint, the suggestion seems to be that it was not going for very long. It was going just long enough for the gopis to build up a sense of pride and then Krishna disappears. Uh, And what's going to happen in the chapter we read today, this is where he reappears. In the meantime, it's been a whole two chapters of Krishna's absence. <clears throat> so out of five chapters of the Rasapanchadhyaya, in two of the chapters, Krishna is absent. At least apparently absent. So then in chapter 30, of course, uh, the gopis in their great, tur- greatly turbulent and intense desire to um, have Krishna with them again, they go searching for him. Uh, they act as mad women, it's said. <clears throat> and uh, they... In their madness, they enact, they imitate the pastimes of Krishna. And by this, they are remembering Krishna. Uh, So they're the paradigmatic example of the practice of smaranam. They're remembering Krishna. And their remembrance is not just an inactive sort of remembrance. It's very active. They are... Uh, performing what they remember. Sometimes, I think quite many times, Srila Prabhupada would use the expression to perform devotional service. And of course, in English, it can be used in a, like that in a sort of common, broad sense, but a, a more a narrower sense of performance is something formally done, um, maybe with an audience, an artist, uh, a musician sings or plays on a stage, that's a performance. So the gopis are performing, well, for whom? You could say they're performing for each other. Uh, or they're performing for Krishna, who they somehow know is present, just not visible. Or they're performing f- for each other, and they're performing for Krishna. In any case, you can say also they're expanding Krishna's lila by remembering and reenacting it. 
It's be, it becomes a form of Krishna's lila. It's a re-performance expansion. And it's also a recollection in the sense of uh, for us who are reading or hearing about this, it's a reminder uh, of a, a, a brief reminder, a kind of listing of uh, Krishna's pastimes. And we find this in other works. The Mahabharata, if Mahabharata uh, the first chapter or chapters, are giving a kind of list, a kind of overview of what what happens in the Mahabharata. Um, I believe it's also there in the Valmiki Ramayana. Um, and other works have something similar. Anukramanika, I believe it's called. Chaitanya Charitamrita, we get this also. Um, beginning of mm, Madhya Lila, as I remember. So anyway, we get uh, the gopis doing the sort of primordial performance of devotional service. And it's happening in absence of Krishna, and it's happening because of being prompted by his absence. And of course, they're trying to strike up dialogue with the um, forest denizens with the flora and the fauna, uh, but they, they, they seem to fail in this endeavor. Uh, each being, each creature that they approach just remains silent. Even the earth remains silent. However, the earth does reveal Krishna in the form of his lotus footprints. And at this point, the gopis become detectives, following the footprints, and also analyzing the meaning of his footprints. Uh, and identifying or recognizing that at one point that Krishna is not alone. And this is very, mm, well... It, it seems to be disturbing to them. At the same time, it's intriguing, it's exciting. And at one point, Vismaya, they are amazed. They are amazed when they finally meet with the one gopi who, just like them, has been abandoned by Krishna. Why? Because of, apparently because of pride. Mm -hmm. So... All of them then have come together and they have one thing in common. Um, they are feeling the absence of Krishna and they are having intense longing for the presence of Krishna. And in this feeling, they retreat to the bank of the Yamuna where there is still moonlight to be um, to illuminate and the surroundings, where they just sit and sing. 
and their sitting and singing is a plea for Krishna to reappear. Drishyatam, please appear, kindly appear to us. Uh, now there's an odd sort of uh, mixture of moods in this previous chapter, verse 30, chapter 31. I find, um, for example, I believe it was verse number two, they make a kind of rhetorical accusation that, um, yes, varada nato nehakim vadaha. Um, that you are killing the maidservants who have given themselves to you freely, without any price, isn't this murder? So that's a suggestion of quite some violence uh, in the beginning of the, of the song. And at the end of the song, it goes quite to the other extreme. Mm. where the gopis are concerned that Krishna has such soft feet. They don't want his feet to be even slightly inconvenienced. On the other side, they do want uh, for him uh, to relieve their intense feelings by putting his lotus feet on their breasts. Um, but, um, well, that was in the, what, the verse before. In any case, no, it's in this verse. Your lotus feet are so soft that we place them gently on our breasts. So gently, there's gentleness here. There was an accusation of violence, and now it's going to the other extreme of um, concern for and an offering of gentleness. Hmm. So it's it's a, it's a whole range. All of this is within the scope of Madhurya Rasa. So it's not that Madhurya Rasa or any of the Rasas is just is two-dimensional. It's it's multi-dimensional. There's uh, the play of so many so many sorts of emotion and and intensities of emotion, all within Madhurya. Right? Uh, did. Anyone have something you wanted to add or comment from what we've discussed so far before we continue? Bhimala Prasad Prabhu. Actually, Maharaj, I, I had a question. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's still like uh, holding me back, although you are moving. Uh, the, the very title of the chapter, Reunion. Mm. And the separation. So, my question is: Is uh, is it possible to experience separation without union? In the in the in the mm-hmm. way we understand is like vipralamba and 
generally in the general preaching, I mean, I mean, as we have experienced, we stress on Bebra Lamba. Right. But the basic idea of like, if somebody has not met Krishna, how is he going to experience Vipra Lamba? <laughs> I mean, is it possible? Okay, well, those are, uh, yeah, related questions. Uh, I'm just now recalling what um, Madhavananda Prabhu, uh, disciple of Gaur Govinda Maharaj, mm. often points out that his Guru Maharaj would say uh, that uh, the river of Prema has two banks, two embanks, embankments. Uh, the embankment of of Samboga and the embankment of Vipralamba or Viraha. And so you can't have one without the other. They only have meaning in relation to the other. But then to your question, so how does one experience... And you said in the Gaudiya Vaishnavas in particular emphasize vipralamba or viraha. Um, unlike perhaps other Vaishnava traditions, yeah, I think the Nimbarkis insist that Radha and Krishna are always together. <laughs> so that's a different understanding. <laughs> Yes, they're always together, but, you know, then again. Yes and no. Yes and no. <laughs> and it's that no, it's that separation which gives the spice. It's, it gives the sense of intensity to love. Um, I mean, this is probably something that any householder could agree with that, you know, it's all very nice uh, being together, husband and wife, but it's also nice sometimes to not be together. <laughs> 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 not that we're always together, right? <laughs> so, well, like so many things, we can understand from analogy. So just taking that analogy of the husband and wife. So a person may appreciate something about, even if only in a, a minimal way, uh, might appreciate the sense of uh, separation from the Lord. But I would say also that as one gradually progresses in spiritual life. Uh, just from hearing and chanting and doing all the things that we do, uh, that sense, isn't it? That sense grows that Krishna is, is still not with me. <laughs> why is, why, how is this? I am still... Even my, yes, even, you know, that's even expressed by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu uh, in Chaitanya Charitamrita. What kind of devotee am I? I'm still alive. <laughs> How can I still be alive? And Krishna is, it, I'm not seeing Krishna. I must be just a, 
a fake devotee. <laughs> so, like that, yeah. Thank you, Mars. I'd like to say, you know, as a kind of joke, uh, from the Shikshastakam prayer, Yugaitam Nimeshena Chakshusha Pravishaitam Shunyaitam Jagatsarvam Govinda Virahename. That mm, we uh, Vaishnavas are also Shunyavadis. <laughs> Our shunyavada is that when Krishna is absent, then this world is empty. That is our shunyavada, our doctrine of shunyata. So we are we are also shunyavadi. <laughs> we have no argument with the shunyavadi. Of course, Srila Prabhupada is nirvishesha shunyavadi paschatya desha tarin deliverer of the the western world and the whole world uh, from nirvishesha shunyavada um, but on another level we have no argument with shunyavada we also feel this way that everything is empty <laughs> <laughs> We feel everything is empty. Why? Because Krishna is absent. <laughs> Perfect marriage. Anything else? Anyone else? Some comment, reflection, doubt, suggestion, something uh, we should be doing that we're not doing. Uh, yes, Maharaj. <laughs> I think I missed it yesterday in the text. I'm not sure if you spoke about it in text six. Uh, it is said. Which, which, which chapter? Chapter 31. Chapter. Yes, okay. Yes. Uh, text six says, uh, Krishna's smile shatters the pride of his devotees. Could you explain, Maharaj, how Krishna's smile shatters the pride of his devotees. Hmm. I mean, Krishna shatters the pride of Indra in a different way than just by smiling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, I don't know if the commentators explained something to this. We'd have to look. Um, but m my sense is simply that his his smile is just so utterly charming, so utterly... Um, we say in English, disarming. Uh, to be disarmed is, it means all your defenses are taken away. Um, we, we all go through life with a whole array, a whole set of invisible uh, psychological uh, defenses uh, to sort of maintain our sense of who we are and so on. Um, and my sense is that, that when Krishna smiles, he just cuts completely through 
all of all of the layers of ahamkara and everything else that's there. There's just uh, no no space for any of that. His his. Okay, here's an example from my own experience. Uh, one time, well, it was the first, uh, second or third day uh, after I first met Srila Prabhupada. His smile was <laughs> also having this kind of function. Um, this was in Paris, 1972. I had just joined the devotees a couple of weeks before. And uh, by some twist of fate or whatever, uh, by Prabhupada's mercy, I was initiated uh, there in Paris. But the day before, or maybe two days before that initiation, Prabhupada gave a public lecture. We were, all the devotees there, attending. Uh, it wasn't a big crowd. It was... Uh, Oh, I, I don't think there were, I think, maximum 100 people in, in the audience. And in the beginning of before Prabhupada lectured, uh, we all had kirtan on the stage with Prabhupada. People were watching. And um, amongst the devotees, there was a, a small child, a young girl, and she was also there on the stage. And she started kind of dancing right in front of Prabhupada, who up to this point had been keeping his eyes closed, as he often would, intensely absorbed in the name, chanting. He opened his eyes, saw the child, and then came this incredible smile that just seemed to shine all over the and the hall where we were. And the result was, <laughs> the d direct result was the devotees who had been already in a lively way doing kirtan, suddenly now they were just kind of jumping twice as high, bouncing off the walls. <laughs> Not exactly, but like that. It was just so uplifting to see him uh, in this mood of satisfaction seeing the devotees, seeing this little girl. So from that, there was no space for false ego. There was no space for pride, nothing. It's all gone. It's just dissipated. Um, yeah. That's how I would understand it. Um... Nihara Eva Bhaskara. How does that verse begin? Kechit Kevalaya Bhaktiya Vasudeva Parayana. Aham Dhunvanti Kartsnyena Niharam Eva Bhaskara, just like the sun dispels the fog. Yes. So, uh, what what I understand, Maharaj, is that it's something transcendental hmm. and not something intellectual. 
It's something transcendental and something intellectual? It's not intellectual. Oh, not intellectual. Not intellectual. Yes, it's, of course, Krishna's smile goes beyond all the the limitations of... uh, of the senses, the minds, the intelligence, and goes right to the heart. And in Shikapiladev's meditation on the Lord in the heart, in the third canto, uh, what is it, chapter 27, 28, uh, doesn't he say something similar that um, the effect of Krishna's smile? I don't remember exactly, but it's something like that destroys all, all lamentation. Asamhare avritakshita lokasivra shokashu sagar. That that talks about Maharaj that Krishna's smile dries up all the tears of grief of his devotee. Ah, yes. Yeah. yeah, so it's so it's a drying effect in that case, drying up the tears. <laughs> Positive drying. Nice. Thank you, Mara. Okay, so anything else before we proceed? Yes. Hey Mung. Hema Gopi Devi. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Hare Krishna. Uh, Maharaj, some, uh, when we are reading all this in the association of devotees, hmm. uh, we are safe. Uh, but now that we are knowing all these pastimes when we are alone, how can we protect ourselves that we don't give it some mundane interpretation or consider like, oh, I was qualified, that's why I got here or some, all this can creep up. So how could, how can we protect ourselves, Ma? How can I protect myself? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, good question. But um, I think, I don't, I don't think you have to worry so much about this. Of course, it's always good, Prabhupada would say, uh, to have a healthy fear of Maya. Um, healthy fear sounds strange, but we say like that in English. To have a healthy fear of Maya is to acknowledge that Maya can be very powerful. Uh, but we do have the commentaries. Uh, we do have... Throughout the text of the Rasa Panchadhyaya, the reminder, I mean, it's how many times we are reminded of who this is, uh, that this is um, Bhagavan, the Supreme Lord. So it's not, mund- it's not, it can't possibly be mundane. Um, and as far as oneself, feeling special, oh, I must be very qualified that I can read or hear this. Um, well, give yourself, a, give yourself some credit that uh, allow yourself to feel fortunate 
Not that I'm especially qualified and so on, but I'm especially fortunate. Uh, and that sense of fortune, good fortune, uh, is it's about gratitude. And gratitude is, uh, how can we say, the sister uh, of humility. And that humility protects us from uh, any sense of pride that would bring in inappropriate, uh, inappropriate understanding. Did that make any sense? <laughs> yes, Maharaj. Thank you. And uh, we're not done yet. We're uh, three-fifths of the way through, and then also next week we'll be discussing more from the commentaries. So I think uh, through the course of this, we'll get, you know, a somewhat substantial uh, entry into uh, a proper appreciation of, of these chapters which can stay with us. Okay, so shall we proceed? Chapter 32, The Reunion. Um, it's a short chapter, so if we like, I think we could read also uh, the Sanskrit of the verses. Uh, these are, I believe, large largely Anushtup. Yeah, it's mainly Anushtup. So I'll begin, uh, and then we can go. Shishuka uvacha iti gopya pragayantya pralapantyaschanchitrada rurudhusu sarangrajan krishnadarshanalalasa Shugadev Goswami said, O king, having thus sung and spoken their hearts out in various charming ways, the gopis began to weep loudly. They were very eager to see Lord Krishna. Tasam avirabhuchauri smayamana mukambuja then Lord Krishna, a smile on his lotus face, appeared before the gopis, wearing a garland and a yellow garment. He directly appeared as one who can bewilder the mind of Cupid who himself bewilders the minds of ordinary people. Tam vilokya gatam preshtam prityut puladrisho bala uttastur yugapatsarvas tanva pranam evagatam. When the gopis saw that their dear most Krishna had returned to them, they all stood up at once, and out of their affection for him, their eyes 
bloomed wide. It was as if the air of life had re-entered their bodies. A um, couple of things I thought are interesting. One is in the first verse, the last line, Krishna Darshana Lala Saha. So this is another Bahuvrihi Samasa. The word Bahuvrihi, or that phrase, by the way, literally means much rice. And it's the technical term for a particular type. Uh, there are several different types of uh, compounds in Sanskrit. And this particular type is called a possessive compound. Um, in America, um, young children learning American history will learn about the American Revolutionary War and they will hear about the British soldiers that they were referred to as redcoats. Why were they called redcoats? Because they wore red coats, uh, which made them wonderful targets. <laughs> it was so easy to see. <laughs> so they could easily shoot them. <laughs> it's kind of a stupid thing to wear these bright red coats. <laughs> anyway, they were called red coats. And of course, what were they talking about? They weren't talking just about some coats. They were talking about uh, soldiers who were wearing red coats. Uh, the word or the expression bahuvrihi, much rice, is not talking about much rice. It's talking about a person who possesses much rice. Uh, in other words, a wealthy person. So similarly, Krishna Darshana Lalasaha, and with compounds, as some of you will know, with samasa, you read them backwards to get the meaning. So you start at the, uh, on the right end and you work toward uh, the left end. Uh, so it's referring to the gopis, plural, uh, because of the long A at the end, lalasaha. Um, Hanker, hankering or hankerers, uh, persons, ladies who hanker. Hanker for what? For darshana. Uh, what kind of darshana? Darshana of Krishna. And you can go into further, you know, grammatic analysis, which we won't do, uh, to get what the internal relationships between all the individual words. But as a whole, uh, it's... So the point I want to make is that this could be like a name of the gopis. The gopis are Krishna, Darshana, Lalasa. They, those women, those girls, who long for the sight of Krishna. Someone could be named Krishna, Darshana, Lalasa, Devi, Dasi. <laughs> Uh, okay. Um, 
Now, in the second verse, tasam avirabhut shauri, Krishna is referred to as shauri, uh, which I believe otherwise would be translated as something like hero. But uh, the point is, of course, that he appears, avirabhut, he appeared. And um, this could be a topic for us to reflect on, but maybe we can come back to it. I'll just mention it now, and uh, when we have some time later, we can um, we can reflect collectively on what are the different ways and circumstances throughout the Bhagavatam in which Krishna or Narayana. Uh, or Vishnu appears, and what are the special features of each of those appearances? We may want to make, just as an example, a contrast uh, between the appearance of Nrsingadev and the appearance of Krishna in this case. Here, Krishna uh, appears in, with his lotus face, a smile on his face, smayamana mukham ujaha. Uh, was Nursingadev smiling when he appeared? I don't think so. I think he was quite angry. So, okay. Um, and then the third verse is telling us what is the immediate response of the gopis. What do they do? They stand. They stand up, which... This is what you do when a senior person enters the room, right? We stand up, we show our respect by standing. Uh, so they're not being disrespectful of Krishna, they're being most respectful. Okay, who wants to read, uh, let's say, verse 4 through 7? Can I read, Maharaj? Please. <clears throat> Verse number four. One gopi joyfully took Krishna's hand between her floated plums, and another placed his arm, anointed with sandalwood paste, on her shoulder. Verse number five. A slender gopi respectfully took in her joint hands the Betel nut he had chewed, and another gopi, burning with desire, put his lotus feet on her breast. Verse number six. One gopi, beside herself with loving anger, bit her lips and started at him with furrowing eyebrows, as if to wound him with her harsh glances. Mm -hmm. Verse number seven. Another gopi looked with unblinking eyes upon his lotus face. But even after deeply uh, releasing its sweetness, she did not feel uh, satisfied. Just as mystic saints are never uh, satiated mm. when meditating upon the Lord's feet. Mm, okay, thank you. Shall I continue, Maharaj? Um, let's pause here. You could read, this okay. is a short purport, if you could read this purport. Yes, Maharaj. Please. 
Sila Vishnu Chakraborty Thakur explained that the analogy given here of saintly persons meditating upon the Lord's feet is only partially applicable. Since the acoustics the gopis felt when Krishna came back was actually unparalleled. Sila Vishnu Chakraborty Thakur also revealed that this particular gopi is the most fortunate of all Srimati Radharani. Mm. Okay, so two points are made in the in the short purport. Um, and one of them has to do with uh, an analogy, as we uh, discussed briefly before. So we get the santas tat charanang yata, apitam apina atripyat. Hmm. Santastacharanam yata. So the yata is a, a common indicator that we're getting a, a, an analogy. And the analogy here is with santa, with um, saints. Satam prasangang mamavirya samvido. Sat, uh, so these these saints will uh, be how does the analogy work? So mystic saints are never satiated when meditating upon the Lord, the Lord's feet. Similarly, Shimati Radharani is never satiated. Uh, by meditating on the Lord's lotus feet. But Vishwanath Chakavarti Thakur is saying, well, that's right, that's true, but the similarity is very limited because the saints, the yogis, uh, certainly have nothing of the depth of feeling that Srimati Radharani has. No matter how advanced they might be, they cannot uh, be compared. Hmm. So um, a comparison is made, but it's it's only partial. And you can say this actually about any comparison, because any analogy you make will have limitations. Uh, they're, they only they they serve the purpose, as I mentioned before. They serve a purpose of going from the concrete uh, to the abstract, or from the near to the far, from the familiar to the unfamiliar. Um, but th although there's some similarity, there's always always a gap. Uh, they point in the direction just like the branches of the tree, but the branches of the tree are not the moon, <laughs> right? And so this brings up a point about language in general and the capacity of language to communicate the, uh, the to communicate about the Lord. 
And that's a subject, I guess I mentioned it before, which comes uh, into focus in the 87th chapter uh, with the prayers of the personified Vedas. How is it possible to approach the Lord through language which is so much bound to this world? And basically it says when the Lord, the Lord has created language, if he wants to reveal himself through language, he can do so, no problem. <laughs> and he is the creator of Veda, uh, so he can empower the Veda to uh, communicate him, the reality which is him. Okay, so these are some varieties of responses to Krishna's uh, returning. Uh, the different gopis are um, immediately wanting to interact with Krishna in some tangible ways. They want to touch his hand, to uh, put the sh uh, his hand on their shoulder, receive his betel nut, mm, uh, put uh, his lotus feet on the breasts, um, staring at Krishna with a frown, frowning eyebrows. Mm, that's a quite different sort of response, and you can say that's going to be reflected in the question that the gopis are going to uh, challenge Krishna with after a few verses. Okay. Who's next? Reading verses 8 through, mm, through well, just 8 through 10. Can I marry it? Please. Verse number 8. One gopi took the Lord through the aperture of her eyes and placed him within her heart. Then, with the, her eyes closed and her bodily hair standing on end, she continuously embraced him within. Thus, immersed in transcendental ecstasy, she resembled a yogi meditating upon the Lord. Verse number 9. All the gopis enjoyed the greatest festivity when they saw their beloved Keshava again. They gave up distress of separation, just as people in general forget their misery when they gain the association of a spiritually enlightened person. Verse number 10. Encircled by the gopis, who were now relieved of all distress, Lord Achyuta, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, shone forth splendidly. My dear King, Krishna thus appeared like the so super soul encircled by his spiritual potencies. <laughs> Thank you. And let's read this short purport also. Yeah, March. The gopis are Lord Krishna's internal potency and therefore when they were relieved and happy again, the Lord shone forth even more brilliantly than before. 
and his transcendental bliss increased. Krishna loves the gopis with pure transcendental love and they love him in the same pure way. The whole affair conducted on the transcendental platform is inconceivable to those bound in material existence. Okay. Now, there's something interesting about this particular analogy. Vyarochatadikam tata purusha shaktibir yata. Again, we have yata making a comparison. And what is it? Purusha shaktibihi. Um Vyarochata, he's, he's appearing brilliant, um, exceedingly brilliant, adikam. Um, and then, like the Purusha surrounded by his energies. Does anything strike you as uh, curious about this analogy? There's the Brahma Samhita verse, which is very similar to this. Ananda Chinmaya Rasa Kati Bhavi Bhavi Sthavi Vivi Vinjaru Vte Ankalavi. Okay. Yes, Ananda Chinmaya Rasa. Yes, that's there. Anyone else? What strikes me about it is that it's a comparison of Krishna with himself. It's, who is that Purusha? It's Krishna. <laughs> and who are the Shaktis? They're the Gopis. <laughs> so it's kind, of, uh, it's kind of a playful comparison, I think. And of course, this um, is in a sense, hinting in a, in a playful way to the, the tattva side of the whole rasa-lila, the fact that it is the one Lord Purusha with his shaktis. Um, so the fact that it's used as a comparison, oh, yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, sort of like the, the, Lord, the Lord and his shaktis. Yeah, well, guess what? This is the Lord. So, um, and then there's another Bahuvrihi description uh, of the gopis in verse nine. You might like to notice Keshava Loka Paramotsavanivritaha. So, nivritaha, they who are feeling joy um, in utsava, in fest festivity, what sort of utsava? Parama utsava, the, a, a topmost utsava, um, due to keshava aloka, due to seeing keshava. Hmm. So those persons, those young women 
who are overjoyed, Nivrita, um, celebrating, uh, perfectly celebrating, completely celebrating festivity. So in the translation, it's put in a different form. All the gopis enjoyed the greatest festivity when they saw their beloved Keshava again. So it's just stated like, you know, a fact of history. Uh, Keshava came, and then they enjoyed the greatest festivity. But the Sanskrit makes it a little different. There's a uh, a different kind of flavor in it, I think, which is hard to render. It, it becomes awkward when you try to put it into English. Now, another thing that struck me is um, this rather sudden contrast we had verse number six, uh, where one gopi is frowning uh, in her loving anger, biting her lip, um, throwing a, we would say, a heavy look at Krishna. Um, and then another gopi is looking at Krishna not being satiated. And now... Uh, verse 8, one gopi took the Lord through the aperture of her eyes and placed him within her heart. So that's kind of the opposite of the gopi who is looking sharply at Krishna as if to, um, as if to wound him with her glance. Now we have a different kind of looking. It's a looking in which she is receiving uh, the Lord in her heart. Her, her eyes are receptacles for receiving uh, the sight of the Lord in her heart. Okay, uh, then. Uh, should we take note? Oh, yeah, let's... Uh, well, I'll read through this quickly. There's the purport to verse number eight. Srila Vishwanath Chakavarti Thakur states that the seven gopis mentioned so far in this chapter are the first seven of the eight principal gopis whose status allowed them to immediately approach Sri Krishna upon his reappearance. The Acharya quotes a verse from the Sri Vaishnava Toshani that gives the names of these seven as Chandravali, Shamala, Shaibya, Padma, Shiradha, Lalita, and Vishaka. The eighth is understood to be Badra. Shri Vaishnav Toshni itself quotes a verse from the Skanda Purana that declares these eight gopis to be the principal among the three billion gopis. <laughs> Detailed information about the hierarchy of gopis is available in Srila Ruva Goswami's Uchvala Nilamani. Nilamani. So one thing that struck me is uh, this list 
Of course, there's Lalita, Vishaka, and Radha, and all the others uh, are not the same as the gopis we take as the Ashtashaki Gana of, uh, for example, Shrida Mayapur. So it seems there are different counts of gopis. And it's also surprising to me that within the same group listed here, we have Shiradha and Chandravali. I always thought that they are in completely different camps. Uh, left wing, right wing. Mm, yeah, speaking of politics and religion, there's politics in the spiritual world. <laughs> There's left-wing gopis and right-wing gopis. And uh, you have to know your place. Narottam Vilas G. Hare Krishna Well, I have two questions now because now reading this period, I don't know if I understood well. Mm. But um, the, like the the, the gopis in Sri Lanka, they, they are different. They are other another another Ghana. Mm. Another Ghana, another group. Well, that's it means another group, another mm. another set of eight. Yes, I was just making this point. I was just making this point, and uh, I think... Yeah, well, I couldn't understand. I also don't understand. <laughs> this is something that needs some research. Okay. I had, I had another question, which I don't know how to formulate. Um, uh, well, in, in, in verse 5, it's, it says... Um, that another there was another gopi who was uh, burning with with desire, and who <laughs> she put the Lord's lotus feet on her breast. Um, but we are talking about um, well, like seven year olds. <laughs> yeah, that that subject has come up before. <laughs> I believe we have to understand uh, there's some sort of paradox going on. Uh, that they are simultaneously young, young gopis, and simultaneously they are older. Not too much older, but they are older. Uh, otherwise, the question came up, so how is it some of these gopis had babies at home? <laughs> so, But um, perhaps a, a relevant point is that it's mentioned here that there were none less than three billion gopis. You realize three billion, that's like uh, almost half the present population of the planet Earth. <laughs> so go figure. Uh, another problem for me is how does that work physically? Um, 
did Krishna sit down and then the gopi was lying down and so that uh, he would put his feet on her breast? Or how, how does that work? It's, uh, it's not very clear. In any case, maybe, maybe we brahmacharis are not supposed to know how that is. <laughs> uh, okay, going along the... That's, that's as far as I can say on that. Uh, yeah. We are talking, this is one of the, this is, this gopi is one of the, these uh, seven gopis mentioned here. Correct, mm -hmm. no? Uh, yes. So, uh, yeah. This is. Of very... course, because it's another set, then. It's in, a, in a, another set of Ashtashaki, so mm. uh, like because you know that we we know like the the appearance the, the appearances of the Ashtashaki in Mayapur, you know that yes we we know we know them, but these ones I, I have no idea when would be their appearances and right and so age. These this I am also not knowing. Uh, we may have to resort to Anyakalpa Nyaya. Also, this is from a different kalpa. I don't know. Uh, anyway, Bhimla Prasad is shaking his head and saying, no, that's not right. I, uh, my humble opinion, Maharaj, it's not so. Because as I understand, these are the eight gopis of Krishna. The Ashrasakis which we see on the our altar are the eight gopis closer to Radharani. Okay. So that's the difference because when you see, when we see the uh, Radha Krishna Ganadesh Deepika or even Gaur uh, Govinda Smaran Paddhati. Hmm. In both of the books, we get the details of these Ashrasakis. Radharani Lalta Vishaka Chitra Champa Kadaranga Devi Sudevi Indulekha Tunga Vidya. These are the details which, which we get for the in our line of worship. Right. We do not get the details of those in the group is line of worship because in this case, uh, <clears throat> as we see this, some some of the other gopis, uh, they are uh, from the camp of Chandravali. Um, mm -hmm. As so, then like at least Shaibya Padma, uh, yeah, they are Shamala. at least at least these two. Shamala is from uh, Radharani's camp. Mm. So, um, so there's so overlap. Like there's some over yeah, it's overlapping. Yeah. Interesting. From the from the Krishna's point of view, who are the closest to Krishna, and that's mm. and those Arshakis are like Radharani's Arshakis or closest to Radharani. Uh, that's okay. Yes, yeah, so that's interesting. Krishna is um, he's treating both both camps equally. It seems in some sense. Anyway. Uh, Yes, Chalangi Devi. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Hare Krishna. I read this Hare Krishna. I read this part before. So I thought whom I should ask. I asked this question to Jananiwas Prabhu. Mm -hmm. And he, I, I want to share his answer. Please. So Jananiwas Prabhu says, these are principal gopis. They are official ones. But others. He meant the Astasakis on Radhamadam's altar. He said, but others, they're unofficial and more intimate ones. Hmm. In that official list, you see Radharani is also there and Chandravali is also there. 
but they are two different rival groups. So yeah. our Astasakis are just Radharani and her friends. Okay. And Prabhu at the end, he said, otherwise, I'm not very expert in this Rasa and these things. <laughs> you can consult someone who is more scholarly in Rasa Sastra, Hare Krishna. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so he's he's making a distinction of official, unofficial. So that's uh, an interesting way of putting it. Okay, yes. Yes, uh, Hema Gopi Devi comment. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Uh, sometime ago in a class, Prabhuji, um, Gauranga Darshan Prabhu was telling that uh, Krishna is one and a half times his age. So probably when uh, when this was when he was ten years, then probably he was like a boy of fifteen, 15. years. Yes, now I remember. And, and then many like things that. fall in place. You can have a child, and uh, yeah, many yeah. things could. Um, okay, one year equals one and a half years in this case. Okay, yeah, I think you know. I think the the commentators make these adjustments because they see also there's a problem other, otherwise. So they say, well, one year actually means one and a half years. <laughs> yes. Okay. Uh, Narutam, you still have your hand up. Is that intentional? It's not. Okay. Um, okay, let's proceed. Who wants to read verses 11, 12, and 13? Can I read my Sure. The Almighty Lord then took the gopis with him to the bank of the Kandi, who with the hands of her waves had scattered piles of soft sand upon the shore. In that auspicious place, the breeze, bearing the fragrance of blooming kunda and mandara flowers, attracted many bees, and the abundant rays of the autumn moon Dispel the darkness of night. Hmm. Their heartache vanquished by the ecstasy of seeing Krishna, the gopis, like the personified Vedas before them, felt their desires completely fulfilled. Their dear friend Krishna, they arranged a seed with their shawls, which were smeared with a kumkum powder from their breasts. Lord Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, for whom the great masters of mystic meditation arranged a seat within their hearts, took his seat in the assembly of gopis. His transcendental body, the exclusive abode of beauty and opulence within the three walls, shone brilliantly as the gopis worshipped him. Okay. So the scene is one of... It's actually a scene of uh, reception. If we think about the formal practice of uh, archana, offering of 16 upacharas, shodashopa upachara, 
uh, then we could uh, view this whole uh, chapter, at least to some extent, in that context. Uh, because what is happening? Krishna's appearing, and then the gopis are receiving him. And then what does he do? He sits down. So in the archana practice, it's idam asanam. You <clears throat> invite the Lord to sit. And then swagatam, suswagatam, you... <laughs> Excuse me, you welcome the Lord, and then you begin to worship with various items, padyam, argyam, achamaniyam, madhuparka, punarak, achamaniyam, snaniyam. Uh, so we could say this is like that, a kind of reception. But it's a special reception. <laughs> it's none other than Krishna and the gopis, and it's no other place than Vrindavan. It's on the bank of the uh, Yamuna River. Uh, this is this is where the real, you can say, this is paradigmatically perfect worship. Um, let's see. The Lord, um, where is he sitting? He's sitting in the hearts of the gopis, uh, which is... Uh, an interesting direction for the pujari to meditate uh, that as one receives the Lord, it's not just, <clears throat> excuse me, the physical reception, but it's also accepting the Lord in the heart. So he's in their hearts and he's sitting in the assembly of devotees, of gopis. Now, Sitting in the assembly of gopis, uh, how would we picture this? We might picture it that Krishna is alone sitting uh, in the center, surrounded by so many gopis, three billion gopis. And so what we have is a kind of mandala, uh, a circle. And this is anticipating, I would say, the mandala of the rasa dance, which is going to manifest in the next chapter. Um, They're preparing for that in a kind of, uh, yeah, in a kind of anticipatory way. Okay, uh, I guess we should take a break now. And uh, we can come back soon. Okay. Hare Krishna. Shall we continue? Yes, Maharaj. Okay. Recording in progress. Mm. Um, uh, So we're up to, I think we're up to verse 15, is it? 
who wants to read verses? Uh, well, I'll read verse 15, and then we have uh, the gopis speaking. Sabha jayitva tam anangadipanam sahasali lekshana vibrama bruva sangsparshan enanka kritangri hastayo sangstutya ishat kupita babashire. Shri Krishna had awakened romantic desires within the gopis. And they honored him by glancing. Oops. Uh, we need to turn off someone's microphone. <laughs> okay. Mm. I'll start again. Sri Krishna had awakened romantic desires within the gopis, and they honored him by glancing at him with playful smiles, gesturing amorously with their eyebrows and massaging his hands and feet as they held them in their laps. Even while worshipping him, however, they felt somewhat angry, and thus they addressed him as follows. Okay, who wants to read the next three verses? I would like to read. Please. Text 16, the gopi said, some people reciprocate the affection only of those who are affectionate towards them, while others show affection even to those who are indifferent or inimical, and yet others will not show affection towards anyone. Dear Krishna, please properly explain this matter to us. Uh, Purpat also? Yes, why not? It's a short one. By this apparently polite question, the gopis want to expose Lord Krishna's failure to properly reciprocate their love. They were very disturbed when Sri Krishna left them in the forest, and they want to know why he caused them to suffer in these loving affairs. Mm. Text 17. Supreme Personality of Godhead said, So-called friends who show affection for each other only to benefit themselves are actually selfish. They have no true friendship, nor are they following the true principles of religion. Indeed, if they did not expect benefit for themselves, they would not reciprocate. The Lord here reminds the gopis that in pure loving friendship, there is no sense of selfish interest, but rather only love for one's friend. Text 18. My dear slender wasted gopis, some people are genuinely merciful or like parents, naturally affectionate. Such person who devotedly serve even those who fail to reciprocate with them are following the true faultless path of religion, and they are true well-wishers. Mm. Okay, so... Should I continue? Uh, okay. Let's, let's um, pause and look at the gopi's question. Um, the gopis are making a provocative question, isn't it? And they are still angry, and they want, they feel that Krishna owes them an explanation of his disappearance. 
So in effect, uh, what's coming, starting with verse 17, uh, up through, well, up through the, la the last verse, verse 22, uh, is Krishna's defense, it's Krishna's explanation <laughs> of why he has disappeared. So he's speaking this in response to this challenge. And the challenge is, uh, is spoken in a, mm, an interesting way. They could have said, Krishna, why did you leave? <laughs> and just leave it at that. But the gopis are very cultured. And so when they ask for a response from Krishna, they're mm, kind of provoking him in a gentle but firm way uh, to explain himself. Uh, we get an interesting explanation of this from Srila Jiva Goswami in his Gopala Champu. I'll get to that later. Okay, uh, so we read 16, 17, 18, beginning Krishna's response. So Krishna is starting to make, to indicate there are different categories of, of friends. Uh, and we can say that he's speaking in verses, let's see, I made some notes here, verses 17 through 19, he's giving general cases. And he's also giving a hierarchy. Mm -hmm. So in verse 17, he's giving the case of the lowest type of friendship, so-called friends, as it's translated. Uh, their only motivation is to get something from the other. They're actually just selfish. Uh, so this, we can't really call this friendship. It's not true friendship uh, because it's svaarta mm, for oneself. Svaarta eganta. Um, and therefore, they're not even following principles of religion. Natatra soridam dharma. Um, sorida means from surit, what is surit? Friend? Yeah, a friend. And there are different categories of friend. Um, there's band, <laughs> bandhu. Bandhu is, I believe, a relative. Uh, there's also sakha or saki. And... There's suhrit, 
And surit, uh, as I understand, is the best sort of friend. It's the heart friend. It's the friend with good heart, or it's the friend who is in the heart. The Lord, of course, is in the heart of everyone. Surit satam. Yeah. Um, okay, Narasinga Nittai Prabhu. Hare Krishna Maharas. Hare Krishna. Maharas, uh, uh, I heard from someone that regarding friendship, there are two kinds of friendship. Uh, number one is uh, namely friend, and number two is uh, friendship from heart. The Bengali mm. word means Namer Bandhu and Praner Bandhu. Uh, Namer Bandhu means uh, yeah. a friend, namely friend. We want something. That's why we make friendship with him. Yeah, it's friendship. Ours. Friendship in name only. Yes, Maharas. And that's number second is Pranir Bandhu. Mm. Pranir Bandhu means friendship from heart. Right. So, from but in prana. this material world, we can see namely friendship. Because we want something, that's why we make friendship with him. Mm. Yes, it's more. But Pranir Bandhu, Pranir Bandhu, uh, this that is very very rare. Mm. Those friendship come from the heart. Yes, it's um, it comes back to our subject of religion and politics. <laughs> so in this world, so much so-called friendship, <clears throat> Namer Bandhu, uh, is friendship based on some political arrangement. Political agreement, yeah. So these are these are Bengali terms, right? Namer bandhu yes, and praner bandhu. Nice, thank you. Okay, let's go on. Um, verse nine. Uh, did we read eighteen? Verse nineteen and twenty. Yeah, let's just read those. Uh, well, let me read 19 and then 20, 21, 22. They kind of go together. Bajatopi navai kechit bajantya bajata kutaha atmarama hyaptakama akritagya gurudruha. Then there are those individuals who are spiritually self satisfied materially fulfilled or by nature ungrateful or simply envious of superiors. Such persons will not love even those who love them. What to speak of those who are inimical. Now this may seem confusing because uh, it's including in one category the Atmaramas, the Aptakamas, uh, and mm, persons who are uh, envious or ungrateful. Uh, Abhajata, Kutaha, uh, Akritagya. One of the 64 qualities of Krishna is that he is Kritagya. He is grateful. 
So the opposite is akritagnya. And then guru druha uh, is being mm, inimical to one's superiors. Can be referred to the guru specifically or just superiors in general. Uh, we have a short purport. Some people, being spiritually self-satisfied, do not reciprocate with others' affection because they want to avoid entanglement in material dealings. Here we might think about, uh, I was just reading about Srila Gorky Shordas Babaji. He, he would do anything to hide from people uh, he was very well known to be a, a very ad advanced Vaishnava. So people would come to him wanting uh, to be his disciple. And apparently sometimes he would take an umbrella and beat them <laughs> to get rid of them. <laughs> so... And as we know, he would uh, sit sometimes in the latrine of uh, one householder where it's, you know, dirty and stinky, smelly. He would do his bhajan there just because who is going to go there? Nobody. And he wanted to avoid. Other persons do not reciprocate simply out of envy or ignorance. And still others fail to reciprocate because they are materially satisfied and thus uninterested in new material opportunities. Lord Krishna patiently explains all these things to the gopis. <laughs> this is the, uh, that last sentence, I can hear Hridai Nanda Goswami there. That's his style. He would say something. Lord Krishna patiently explains these, all these things to the gopis. Okay, who wants to read the last three verses of the chapter? Can I, Maharaj? Yes, please. But the reason I do not immediately reciprocate the affection of living being, even when they worship me, oh gopis, is that I want to intensify their loving devotion. They then become like a poor man who has gained some wealth and then lost it and who thus becomes so anxious about it that he can think of nothing else. Verse 21. My dear girls, understanding that simply for my sake you have rejected the authority of worldly opinion of the Vedas and of your relatives, I acted as I did only to increase your attachment to me. Even when I removed myself from your sight by suddenly disappearing, I never stopped loving you. Therefore, my beloved copies, please do not harbor any bad feelings toward me. You are beloved. Uh, should I read the purport, Maharaj? Okay. Here, the Lord indicates that Though the gopis were already perfect in their love for him, still to inconceivably increase that perfection and show an example for the world, he acted as he did. Mm -hmm. Verse 22. I am not able to repay my debt for your spotless service, even within a lifetime of Brahma. 
your connection with me is beyond reproach you have worshiped me cutting off all domestic ties which are difficult to break therefore please let your own glory be be your comp- compensation hmm and let's take the last purport also yes the translation and word meaning for this verse are taken from shila prabhupad english rendering of shri chaitanya charitamrita adilila 4 180 in conclusion the gopis become eternally glorious by their behavior in the lord's temporary absence and the mutual love between them and the lord was wonderfully enhanced this is the perfection of krishna and his loving devotees Thus end the purpose of his humble servants of his divine grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, to the 10th canto, 32nd chapter of the Srimad Bhagavatam, entitled The Reunion. Jai. Okay. Um, I don't have the list right in front of me. Is this final verse one of, one of your verses for memorization? for the course no matter no oh that's interesting because it's such an important verse na parae ham niravadya sangyajam svasadakrityam vibudayu shapiva ya mabajang durjarage hasinkala samrischatatva pratiyatu saruna it's um it's a very important verse especially for the gaudiya vaishnavas because this verse is in one sense the prompt it's the beginning of the reason why the lord appears as chaitanya mahaprabhu he is saying here he's confessing his inability to reciprocate with the gopis the gopis have too much love for him <laughs> and the lord is expressing his inadequate inadequacy to reciprocate of course in the next chapter he will reciprocate by uh having with them the the rasa dance but he's making this kind of admission we understand as an anticipation of or as a basis for chaitanya mahaprabhu to appear um here krishna is expressing that he is indebted to the gopis and chaitanya mahaprabhu is coming as in he is krishna in the mood of a gopi and he is coming as a renunciant um uh, as his payment of that debt and so his entire leela understood from this perspective explains uh the mood of chaitanya mahaprabhu and his uh the years that he lives in puri in a mood of intense intense and 
intensifying feeling of separation. It is Krishna experiencing what he caused the gopis to experience. So in that way, he is uh, suffering with, so to say, suffering with the gopis. Of course, that suffering is the highest the highest bliss, but uh, the, this idea of repaying a debt is, is there. And so we find uh, in Chaitanya Charitamrita, this is discussed, and Prabhupada in the purport mentions where we find this particular verse in Adi Lila chapter 4, and what is going on in Adi Lila chapter 4? We could look at it perhaps next week. But this is where Lord Krishna is explaining why he is appearing as Lord Chaitanya. He's, he's telling what is his plan. He's explaining his motivation. And Krishna Das Kaviraj is quoting this, this and I believe, other verses from uh, the Rasapancha Nyaya. Yeah, okay. So I wanted to, I made a note here about mm, this question from the gopis and then Krishna's response to the question. Uh, this comes from Jiva Goswami's Gopala Champu, Part 1, uh, Chapter 25, Verses 50, or Section 53 through 54. It says, O King of the Intelligent, please solve this riddle. So this is the gopi speaking. And... <laughs> Uh, Jiva Goswami is saying that they're, they're asking a riddle. A riddle is a kind of a puzzle. Uh, you solve it. Um, so what's the answer to this riddle? So what is the riddle? Some persons love only persons who love them. Some persons do not love others, even if others love them. Some persons love everyone, whether these persons love them or not. Some persons love needy and helpless persons, whether such persons love them or not. Uh, and then it goes on. In his understanding, the meaning of this riddle, Lord Sri Krishna says, These four persons are, respectively, one, Persons greedy after their own self-interest. Two, ungrateful persons. Three, pious persons. And four, persons who know the highest truths of spiritual life. Or, these persons may also be respect respectively described as one, Bewildered fools, two, persons who are self-satisfied, three, liberated persons, and four, 
merciful persons. So there's two sets of four categories, according to Jiva Goswami, being indicated by uh, Lord Krishna's response to their riddle. So if you, uh, if you mix them together, so the first category would be persons greedy after their own self-interest or bewildered fools. Uh, so this is uh, for some persons love only persons who love them. And then uh, the second category is ungrateful persons or persons who are self-satisfied. And this applies to um, some persons do not love others even if others love them. Then the third category was uh, answering to some persons love everyone, whether these persons love them or not. And these are pious persons or liberated persons. And then the fourth category are some persons love needy and helpless persons whether such persons love them or not. And uh, here the category is filled by, uh, first, persons who know the highest truths of spiritual life or merciful persons. So there you go. We have two different categories of or four categories times two, or two times four. Anyway, that's Jiva Goswami. Um, the subject of what is friendship is a big one. Uh, I'm thinking to save that for next week. Um, I thought... For now, we can look a little bit at uh, some of Garuda's translation and make a little comparison. Let's see. Um, well, let's let's go to this last section. Uh, starting. Yeah, okay, with verse 16, let me get this bigger. Okay, um, and now share screen. Share screen, and here we go. Are you able to see that? But if could be larger, it would be better. It's too yeah. small. Hardly huh? readable, Oh, okay. Let's make it bigger. How is that? More, Maharaj. 
more maharaj if you click on the green dot on the three dots there's a green dot we'll if you click full screen yes yes how's that that brilliant thank you okay i think that's as big as we can get <laughs> okay uh so we're going whoops we're going to verse 16 some love the gopis spoke some love only those who love in return some however love those who may not return their love some do not love in either of these ways please explain this clearly to us o oh dear one so he makes it quite compact and he keeps the word some repeating uh, which has a has a kind of uh, poetic effect mm. instead of saying others some and then others okay then the beloved lord spoke friends who love each other yet ultimately strive for their own self-interest do not find endearment nor fulfill dharma indeed such friends have no purpose other than self-interest those who love others who may not offer love in return are either parents or persons of compassion Oh ladies with beautiful waists they are persons of dharma who are without fault and are truly endearing so we have a contrast of um from 17 and 18 the first group uh, there's no endearment nor fulfillment of dharma and in the second group uh, there is endearment they are endearing and they are uh fulfilling dharma they are persons of dharma so he he makes these two different categories so that's interesting some do not love even those who offer them love let alone those who are not loving toward them such persons may be satisfied by the self and fulfilled in all desires or they may be ungrateful even hateful toward the venerable hmm hateful toward the venerable that's nice um which is translating guru druha so akritanya they may be ungrateful or guru druha hateful toward the venerable and now comes uh you can say the main point that krishna is explaining his behavior now o oh friends in order to strengthen their love i may not return even the love of those who love me like a poor man who obtains a treasure and then loses it such a person knows nothing else filled with no other thought than regaining that treasure 
So that's, that's, it's nicely, it's a very um, polished English, I would say. Can we say that Krishna would locate himself in any of these categories that he has listed of uh, types of friends? In verses, uh, oops, jumps. I, I can't really get it between. Maybe slowly. Nope. <laughs> anyway. Would you say that Krishna is identifying himself with any of the categories of friends? Or is he in a category by himself? He's his own category. He's in his own category, isn't he? But it's a strange category because how does he reciprocate? By seeming to not reciprocate. And of course we understand, and that's what he's explaining. You are thinking that I'm not reciprocating, but I'm actually reciprocating. How am I reciprocating? By not being present, and, and by this being absent, um, intensifying your feeling for me. So it's a very special kind of logic that Krishna gives. It is unique to Krishna, I believe. <laughs> okay. Um, let's read the next. Oh. Now, O oh friends, in order to... Oh, I have to share again. Now, O oh friends, in order to strengthen their love, I may not return even the love of those who love me. Like a poor man who obtains a treasure and then loses it, such a person knows nothing else, filled with no other thought than regaining that treasure. Again, we have this anal an analogy. So what is closer to us in terms of experience or familiarity, more concrete perhaps, is uh, the experience of a poor person who has lost something valuable. That person is going to be focused all the more because of having lost it. Dear ladies, indeed, for my sake alone, you've abandoned the world, the Vedas, and even your relatives out of love for me. It was out of love for you that I became invisible, though you were never removed from my sight. Therefore, you should not be discontented with me. O oh, dearest ones, I am your beloved. So he says, I was invisible, but I've always been with you. And it seems the gopis know this because otherwise their song 
which is addressing Krishna as if he is present, uh, indicates that they understand this. Okay, then, final verse. I am unable to reciprocate your faultless love for me, your own purity, and all that you have sacrificed for me, even over the lifetime of a great divinity. Severing strong ties to your homes so difficult to overcome, you have lovingly worshipped me. May your reward be your own purity. Hmm. So he translates uh, sad, what is it? Sadhana. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah, the BBT translation says, therefore, please let your own glorious deeds be your compensation. And he translates, may your reward be your own purity, uh, translating the word sadhu. So sadhu can mean simply good. And so it can be taken in many ways. When someone does something very uh, expertly, we may exclaim, sadhu, sadhu, well done, well done. Uh, But apparently can also be understood as purity. Okay, uh, let's see. Anantagor Sundar Prabhu, you have a comment or question. Maharaj, uh, I was wondering when Krishna said that I disappeared to increase your longing for me, did gopis really believe it? <laughs> <laughs> you sound skeptical. <laughs> um... Why would they not believe? Maras, uh, sometimes even uh, among ordinary dealings, sometimes people speak such words to just to pacify other person. Uh, and the reasons are not that they are always very truthful. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Does anyone else want to comment on this? Could I comment, Maharaj? Please. So the gopis actually experienced what our Krishna said. Mm. So their experience is their proof. That's what I was thinking. They experienced that their love for him increased. So simply their experience is their proof that Krishna <coughs> spoke the truth. Yeah. But still they wanted to hear from Krishna, so they they actually spoke to Krishna like this. Yes, they needed Krishna to admit <laughs> explicitly what he was up to, isn't it? Yeah, that was their that was their reward uh, because Krishna said that he cannot repay them. So that was that that was the reward which uh, which they got. So that for, it... uh, for Krishna separating themselves from from himself, from them. So you're saying that his confession of inability to reciprocate, that gives them satisfaction? 
that he makes that admission? Is that what you're saying? Is the reward? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's what it is. You'll be satisfied with. Okay. Now, one thing that I, one of the, or both, at least one of the Acharyas explains, going back to chapter 29, is that the gopis come running to Krishna to beg for that which he stole from them. He stole their hearts. And so they're running to, you know, he is a thief and he has stolen their hearts. And so they're coming to him, you know, you have to give us back our hearts. <laughs> so we might say at this point, when he's admitting in inability to reciprocate, he's acknowledging actually uh, your hearts are greater than I have the capacity to uh, reciprocate with. Okay, thank you. Uh, Jalangi Devi, comment. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Hare Krishna. I, offer, I want to offer a comment, mm. because the gopis, not only they, even when Krishna was um, like seemingly not a, a present, but they still feel his presence. In that sense, they are satisfied and they believe him. And there is a story. Um, I'm saying there's another side story in Garga Samhita. Hmm. I read that book years ago. I cannot remember the figures, but uh, the, the incident is... When Krishna came back, he explained to the gopis, he said, actually, I am leaving you because I want to save my devotee. There is a great devotee of mine whose name is Hamsa and who was meditating upon me in the ocean of milk. But then at that point, one big fish, I forgot how many Udanas long, <laughs> swallowed that Hamsa devotee. Uh -huh. And then there's another fish, like a double size, swallowed this fish. So Krishna wanted to save his devotee, he quickly went there like kill the two fishes and save that <laughs> devotee so i'm feeling in this way krishna is like very gentle very considerate person hmm. like he he doesn't want them to feel bad so even they know oh you left us because you want to make us feel more intense love or like elevate us hmm. but then he said actually i have a valid reason anyway i just feel Interesting. You give that an excuse. Yeah, that's very interesting. Of course, Krishna is accomplishing many things simultaneously, isn't he? With every act, whatever he does, he's doing so many things at once. Uh, Ramakrishna Prabhu. Hare Krishna Maharaj. Yes. <laughs> uh, just trying to look at scanning of the different sections of uh, this particular uh, pastimes. Uh, we see that Lord Krishna has been uh, uh, separated from his devotees by um, uh, in the pastimes such as Brahma, Vimohana, Leela, mm. then after the Govardhana Leela. And uh, towards such offenses, Krishna has uh, uh, either punished or rewarded in a different way and established uh, the highest affection that he has for his own kitam kin, such as the Raja Vasis. And here in this pastime, he himself acts and takes the way of separating himself from the 
his own dearest ones. Hmm. So it's like kind of a contrast of what we have seen from the previous pastimes. Yeah. And what is the reward? Uh, reward is his own defeat. So <laughs> in, other, in other, other perspectives, we see that uh, others were defeated and then uh, he, he took charge of them. Hmm. But here we see that he himself is defeated. To prove this point, that the gopis are the topmost, either in their style, in their approach, in their submission, and thereby Krishna really doesn't have anything else to reciprocate. In, in so he he completely comes under their control. Mm. So that's uh, being established over here uh, as as an arm for devotees who should actually practice Krishna consciousness. Very nice, thank you. Very very insightful. Uh, which reminds me of a comment one devotee has made that the Bhagavatam is uh, demonstrating not so much the the supreme power of the Lord, but more his, um, he didn't use the word weakness, but uh, his, his uh, vulnerability. Uh, the the supreme vulnerable. <laughs> and he's showing that in particular here. And so this, and this particular verse uh, is right there at, at the core of this point. Yeah. Good. On that note, I think it's time that we end for today. Please uh, be thinking about this broad topic of Krishna's ways of appearing. And maybe we can just look at those, uh, not tomorrow, but on Saturday, uh, one hour earlier than we've been meeting. We'll look at that and then we'll go through, we'll consider, and then we'll go through the final chapter, the final act of the Rasa Leela Panchadyaya. Okay. Hi, Krishna Maharaj, excuse me. Because yes. we got a message from Radhika Nagar Prabhu said mm -hmm. our class on Saturday is half an hour earlier than usual. So oh. I heard you just mentioned it's one hour. Can we confirm that? Oh, uh, maybe you're right. Um, I will check whatever it is that he has said. That's what we're doing. <laughs> thank you, Maharaj. Okay, thank you. So, Grantaraj Srimad Bhagavatam ki jai, Srila Prabhupada ki jai, Anantakoti Vaishnavarinda ki jai, Nitai Gaur Premanande Hari Hari Bhal. Hari Hari Bhal. Yeah, thank you, Maharaj. Thank you, Maharaj.